0: The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Dane and Derek Show, a uh, weekly podcast where two nerdy friends keep in touch and shoot the shit. My name is Derek Aiello, a writer, director, and uh, uh, avid tabletop RPG player. And with me, as always,
1: is my good friend, Dane Fogdahl. Hey, uh, I'm Dane. I'm a writer and creator. And lover of tabletop RPGs. Yeah. So, Dane, uh, this
0: icebreaker is going to inform the topic. Mm-hmm. So I'll just get right to it. Calvin or Hobbes Hobbes easy oh man yeah I was gonna say Hobbes as well okay cool we're both Hobbes yeah Mm -hmm. okay great yep okay moving on Uh,
1: he's a a sentient tiger with like a wicked sense of humor yeah I I don't (laughs) don't know how do you yeah how do you beat that that's so cool you really
0: can't I mean sure Calvin's got a great shirt but Hobbes is a sentient tiger who is not Tigger uh Both yeah. are great, I mean, let's be real. a sentient tiger that can that either has a sense of humor or it can bounce real high. both are great um
1: yeah let's i mean a sapient tiger period, just tiger yeah. person I'm in like yeah. just i'm in <laughs> um one of my very first t- uh d and d characters was a were tiger, actually, oh yeah, 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 wear tiger tiger monk, monk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 good stuff, good stuff anyways. Yeah, this week's topic is Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, if you hadn't um, guessed
0: by the intro. Uh, yeah,
1: but, which is fun. So I'm I, i going to just like real quick, like ask, like, what is your experience with this honestly seminal comic strip? Uh,
0: I'm pretty sure you were the first person that showed me Calvin and Hobbes. I believe that. I sincerely yeah. believe that. Because uh, you would always have like, whether it's images on your phone or that, that you had a like a paper bound or a hard cover or maybe you had both. You had, you had, you had a, you had a hard copy of it that you used to carry around all the time.
1: Yeah. I had, I had a particular strip and I've lost it. So I don't even fully remember which one it was uh. that I would carry around. Um, and I have nearly all of it. I've never been in a place where I could, uh, afford to get the, the hardback, definitive collection but i have most of them in one form or another yeah Yeah. so So, what yeah what are are your feelings about it i feel like it's
0: is one of those comics that when you read it you feel a little bit more okay like it really validates the emotions you're feeling when you read it yeah um and you know in, in a way that a lot of comics that are in the newspaper or just in general don't make me, don't don't they they just don't make me feel. And the thing is like Calvin and Hobbes is like they're like what like five panels, three panels like it's they're it's they're like they're so concise like I remember this uh, great interview with Freddie Wong. Uh I always got to mention Freddie Wong, but hmm. he was talking about how like the YouTube videos they make they like specifically studied like Ben Waterson's Like the way that he told stories through like Calvin and Hobbes, because like, uh, like at at the time, like a perfect YouTube video, they compared it to like a three panel comic and sort of followed that same structure that Calvin and Hobbes has where there's a setup, you know, a dilemma and then like a a wrap up. And it's hilarious, right? And it's amazing, like how many things have that kind of structure or just how many beats you can kind of get like on a technical level. But that's the thing, right? Like on a tech on a technical, on a narrative and on like an emotional level, Calvin and Hobbes is superb to most other comics.
1: It is. And it's also not cynical. Is one yeah. thing that's re- I think is really important about it. Um I would say that Peanuts, especially the early Peanuts, is not terribly cynical. Um I would also say that a comic, I don't know if you've heard of this one, Bloom County, also kind of falls in that in that realm. Uh, Um, Bloom County was like weirdly mature and political. Like it doesn't land with kids. Um, yeah. And anyways, so whereas like Garfield is really cynical or like Dilbert is pretty cynical. uh, yeah. Um, (laughs) and so like, which is funny because Calvin also hates Mondays but there's like a weird life and joy to the way he hates Mondays in the way that Garfield doesn't anyways. So I'll talk real quick about what Calvin and Hobbes means to me. Um, Calvin and Hobbes is up there with star Wars for me, as far as like foundational parts of my childhood. Um, when I was eight, I spent months saving up, every little quarter and dime I could to have $10 to buy a tiger, uh, stuffed animal from the zoo, um, to have my own Hobbes. Like this is like deep, deep, deep important to me stories. And the wonderful thing, um, is that honestly, in some ways more than star Wars up until kind of recently, uh, has actually grown up with me um, upon rereading. I get more than I did before, but what I got as a kid isn't invalidated. What I got as a kid was wild imagination and somebody out there actively can like telling me it was fantastic and better and special to have this wild imagination, you know? um. So, wildly important to me and I read them and reread them and, you know, collected them and like, they were with me in like sickness and health. Like, like literally, um, like I had to throw out one of my, my books when I was little and it was heartbreaking because I was up late feeling sick and I threw up on it. Like that's like, it's, it's always there for me, honestly. So, yeah, and and there are reasons for for all of this, um, and I think there's a big one big reason that I think may end up being like kind of what we end up talking about most in this episode. Um, Calvin and Hobbes is aggressively, distinctly art. Yeah, like Bill Watterson made Calvin and Hobbes art, like capital A art in a way that most comic strips don't. And honestly, in a way, most things today don't. And I think, especially in pop culture. And I think that's incredible. Um, And, you know, like we can, we'll get into that in just like, just a second. But like that fact alone, I think makes it magical, right? Like, the peanuts sell insurance right like yeah MetLife does peanuts there are peanuts movies and specials i actually really love the specials so i don't really want to rag on them but like i couldn't go get an official licensed hobbs tm doll right like i couldn't right. do that nobody can do that that doesn't exist um basically the only thing that exists are are the books, the collections. Um, uh, I looked it up beforehand and let me see if I, I can, um, yes. So like there are, here's, here's a, here's a basic list of the legitimate Calvin and Hobbes merchandise. Um, two 16 month calendars of 1988 to 89 and 1989 to 90, a t-shirt from the Smithsonian exhibit, um, a textbook of teaching with Calvin and Hobbes, um, and a series, a series of a series of us postal stamps, and then it has they have appeared in various academic works and "Great American Comics: A Hundred Years of Cartoon Art." That's it, which is so wild. And if you go to Wikipedia, you can see that list. And apparently, the estimated price of of licensing revenue foregone by Bill Waterson is 300 to four hundred million dollars. Oh my goodness! Yes. And he gave this up. He passed on this because he felt like it would cheapen his artwork. Um, That's some integrity.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, it's um, probably the
0: most integrity of any artist.
1: Yeah. Okay. And and for listeners, I'll just real quick give a quick like rundown of what Calvin and Hobbes is. It's about a kid who has a stuffed tiger that when no one else is around comes to life. And each of the characters are named after um, historical figures. Uh, So Hobbes is named for Thomas Hobbes, who's best known for his weighty uh, treatise of uh, Leviathan, I believe. And Calvin is for John Calvin, um, who was a Protestant theologian. Um, And so, basically, the thing is that he's this strip is about the joys of childhood, but also the characters represent philosophy and the strips can oscillate from like, you know, the, him playing like kids games to them having discussions about like literally about death sometimes to a lot of the comics of course are those standard like three to five panel, like just, you know, little like little boxes. Um, but also his Sunday, uh, his Sunday strips, like Bill Watterson literally pushed the boundaries of what those could be. Like he would do like panelists. Um, yeah. panelists ones. He'd do these like crazy Sunday strips that were kind of like you could like frame basically. And so the, the, the strip ran from 1985 to 1995. And, one of the crazy things is in the same vein, we've talked about this before with like, you know, cowboy bebop, for example, of like things that ended like right when they should have, this is another one of them. It ran for 10 years and then it was done. The peanuts ran from like the forties to the nineties, basically, you know, most comic strips don't end. They end when their creators retire or like, more often when they die. And sometimes they're picked up by their kids. Watterson had the most popular comic period in America at the time. And he just walked away because he said he was done. He had done everything he wanted to do with the, sh- with the comic. Um, and during the, during that whole process, he like he fought for, f- for having creative control Basically, the way the comics industry works, you you aren't f- you wouldn't fully be in control um, of your your IP. So he legally fought everyone, and because the strip was so good, he could renegotiate the contract because the option was to not have it in the paper, and that was literally a problem for papers. Um, right. And so yeah, he ended the strip. He took sabbaticals it was his art it is his art and nobody can take that away from him it is it stands on its own because he forced it to and in a in a medium that is so often considered cheap and disposable and worthless so i don't know what do you think of that like as as like an artist yourself. um,
0: I mean, I think it's really, yeah. Yeah. You go
1: admirable. It's really admirable
0: to, uh, to, you know, to draw your line in the sand and to know, I think, I think the, like, I don't know. Like it's, I think it's, it's, it's more complex than like, Oh yeah, Bill Watterson didn't sell out, right? Like, I think it's, I think it's more complex than just that, right? Like, I don't think it was just a matter of selling out versus keeping it independent. It was, there was a bigger philosophy as to why, you know. And I, it's like that to me, just having that much integrity to stand by the work you've made is like that's pretty incredible. It's pretty hard because, like, I'm sure he took a lot of criticism in his time. I'm sure he. You know, got told off by a lot of people for turning
1: down this stuff, but it's just like. Yeah. Would you like to hear the list of people he never returned the calls for for making films based <laughs> on Calvin and Hobbes? Sure. Including Jem Henson, George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg. None were returned.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. See, that's like, that's insane. right? Like, right. it's, you know, but at the same time, like, is it like, you know, and I think that that's like, so interesting, right? Because like, he pushed the medium, he pushed the storytelling, and he ended it on his own accord. And like, I think that that's a valuable lesson to, you know, to remember, like, like, not everyone's gonna have a Calvin and Hobbes, but everybody can learn from the fact that as an artist, you have to know when It's time to end something or when you should or shouldn't do something like, I don't know, like, uh, (laughs) uh, it's an awful example, but like our podcast, we don't run ads on it Mm -hmm. because that would jeopardize the integrity of what this podcast exists to do, right? Right. Honestly, it'd feel a little weird. It would. Yeah. It would feel very weird and it would just wouldn't be genuine to why we want to why we do this and to why people listen to this podcast. And like, even if we were to like get a sponsor, I feel like we would say no. And yeah. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where it's like, that's because like in our hearts, we know that, you know, the integrity of the show and the trust we have with our audience is more important than any amount of money, big or small, we could be paid. And I think like in the case of Bill Watterson, it's, it's you know, the stakes are, you know, Shakespearean proportions. They're huge, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like 300 to $400 million you walked away from, right? Like, yep. And I think that, you know, it's a statement. It's a statement to how capitalism can twist art, right? And how it can twist art into sort of just a marketing material, like so much, of like the stuff we watch today is just product placement. And right. that can be really hard to kind of, you know, absorb. Like I used to be really plugged into like tech YouTube and there's nothing wrong with being a tech gadget enthusiast, but at the end of the day, like every single tech Uber to, you know, every single tech YouTuber is trying to sell you whatever phone they're reviewing or whatever laptop right. or speaker or microphone or cable. Right. And, and, the, there's something there that i don't i don't quite know how to articulate it but it, it just it doesn't sit well with me um to know that at most turns i'm being sold something um and like i don't blame them right they got to make a living right they got to make a living doing their hobby doing their passion doing their art like that's fine yeah do, do what you got to do but at the same time like it's a little bit You know, there's a line there that's so,
1: yeah. Something has been undermined. Something has been changed. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a gray area. It's a foggy area that I can't quite see through. And I feel like when you have the ability to walk away, like, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, uh, it's definitely a thing of like, that example is really tough because like the heart of like the tech review YouTube is product placement. Like, yeah, it is the thing. Exactly. I think maybe a, another like example could be like Star Wars, right? Or the MCU. Like, yeah, these things like, yes, they definitely want you to watch and yes it is definitely better if what's being made is good um but that's not where disney's making its money now is it right um and so like yeah i don't think in those cases like i don't i don't know anymore like there was a period where i guess star wars could have walked away but That's that 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 universe is long gone, Um, and like Marvel, it's always weird because it's like superheroes started out to sell things to kids, like that's what they were, Um, and they've grown into something more, but they're still tied to this thing. It's odd, Um, but you know, this is inherent to them, and I don't think that it's a problem that you know they're selling you something but it does mean that two things are happening right calvin and Hobbes is never selling you a Hobbes plush doll it just isn't it, you know right um and and i think there's definitely some magic in that for sure um yeah, it's it's almost like
0: because it's not it, it's like a TV show that ends. I mean, it's like anything that ends when it was on top, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like it's it's like you're never because it's not so prevalent every day or like just being shoved at you in like an ad or in a store where it's a dime a dozen it feels so much more valuable and important because yeah. it only really exists in these very limited forms. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's like the equivalent of listening to like Beethoven back in the, like, you know, whenever Beethoven was composing, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like we'll never hear the way that it sounded back then now. And no, and that I think is that I think is sort of the
1: that's probably a better analogy, maybe I don't know i I think it has to do with the fact that it exists only in its medium, yeah, right, yeah, like you can't go anywhere and not see Iron Man, right, yeah, but you will go weeks, months without seeing Calvin and Hobbes, mm-hmm. you will go weeks, months not seeing something from Cowboy Bebop or you have to seek it out as it is. Right. Yeah. It does not exist in merchandise. Your enjoyment of it only exists in the interaction between the art and the person like interacting with the art. Right. Right. And I think it's wild that he managed that in a medium that does not support that right yeah like comics in the newspaper do not support that right um you know i don't really think hollywood big budget film supports that i don't think almost any video games that you know uh big budget video games don't support that like you know he took what most people would consider a low art and made it fine art. Like yeah, a painting is a painting. You know, you see a Van Gogh, it's just a Van Gogh. Like, yeah. you know, it's not. And I think that's, that's kind of what's spectacular about it. Yeah. And I mean, like I could go on for ages and ages about why I love it so much. Like I would wager that, you know, you and I sometimes talk about the fact that often what I do in my writing is have characters just sort of have conversations about things. And especially it kind of like will lend itself towards like philosophy and, and this sorts of stuff. And well, I wonder where I got that from because that's what Calvin and Hobbes is, you know, the core of the comic is Calvin and Hobbes talking, right? you know? And so, yeah, I, I think it's really beautiful. And I think anyone who's listening who hasn't, Spent any time with these comics? I say you should. I would encourage you to spend a little more time with them if you get the chance. uh Not that that's super easy. Um, you'll have yeah. to get a book. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: I was just like you know I was just like looking around my room at like sort of all the posters I have up of things that I love, and I was like thinking like like what's something else that did what Bill Watterson did in a way, and um bastion from Supergiant games yeah it's pretty fair and transistor as well like there's something about like the fight the finite it of its of of (laughs) his um the fact that it exists pretty much as just a video game and that like what you know and that like even though like yeah sure there might be some like posters or like limited things but like super giant games like controls all of that and they hold it to that standard maybe it's the standard right it's like it's like bill Waterson held his arch to his standard and no one else's
1: right and i and i think it his standard was just quite honestly so extreme yeah yeah with, it was so extreme with like like one thing like we both love the super giant games um and hades of all of them is much more popular than the last few um yeah like but the thing is they're not the thing about bill watterson is that calvin and Hobbes is the star wars of com of like saturday morning sunday morning newspaper comics but he didn't do the george lucas thing and then do a million action figures right exactly yeah or a prequel <laughs> yeah no like that's that's the thing is it is that not only did he hold himself to this standard that lots of other artists do, honestly, or close or to their own varied standard. He did it when the, like you said, the the stakes behind it, the, the temptation was as great as it possibly could have been. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, mean- I, I think it stands out and I think it like, I think it's a good reminder, right? Like, I think it's a good reminder to remember that you, when you make something, it is yours. And what happens with it should be your decision. And that, yeah, there is a lot of value in a work as it is, you know? Yeah. 100%. Hmm. Yeah. But we are at time. We are. Man.
0: Like all good things, so must this episode end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it should. It's gotta. Uh, it's gotta, yeah. Well, folks, uh you can see what movies I'm watching on Letterboxd at Derek Ayello and Dane. Uh I hope at this point your Substacks uh sending stuff, but
1: uh um you know, where can we find you in your work? Um, you can find me at danewrights There's a uh, links to my writing through the sub stack i if if I haven't done it by now, I'm in trouble. Um I something's <laughs> happened where I'm really behind in life. Um, but also my podcast isology, uh, my music, and my twitter. Um, yeah. Well, this, I really enjoyed this episode. It got way more like intense and serious. It, did. it really than I did. Expected, but like I feel like wholesome about it. I don't know if you yeah, feel that well,
0: way. No, like you said, it's a really good reminder of just like the integrity that we hold ourselves to with the things we create and how we do have the power to it's a good reminder that we do have the power to do what what we will with our art, which you know, going back to your substack pitch idea. You're about to embark on your very own, like, you know, what? A, however frequent thing, like writing thing, like a, like a Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, kind of. That's kinda, pretty yeah. exciting. It's all kind of coming full circle. It's all coming together. I'm, I'm, I cannot express how excited I am because, uh, I don't know. Um, th- there's something really beautiful in creating something so finite like that. and so. It, Uh, frequent and updating consistently right like there's something you know there's something that you do there's something different to that than making a movie once every two years right like it's it's a mood yeah it definitely is Yeah. well we've rambled on long enough we'll (laughs) skedaddle on out of here oh it returns the skedaddle returns the skedaddle returns (laughs) I don't know if we'll ever let that go I don't think so (laughs) It's over. It's over. All right. Bye, everybody. Catch you later.